Hello, welcome to Informative Conversations Podcast with me, Jacqueline. Here, we inform, encourage, and inspire all listeners. My guest today is author, Christian teacher, speaker, and group leader, Marsha Hill Sawyer. Welcome to the show, Marsha. Thank you, Jacqueline. It's truly an honor to be here. Thank you for accepting my invitation. I invited Marsha to the show today to discuss her book, The Spiral Effect. But before we go into the book, Marsha, would you tell my listeners a little bit about yourself? Hey, sure. Um, First, I just want to thank you again. It's just a blessing that you chose me to to come on here today. But again, my name is Marsha Sawyer. Um, I'm the author. My first book is entitled The Spiral Effect. I am the mother of an amazing teenage daughter, and I also have three amazing adult stepchildren, and they are just truly an incredible blessing to me. Now, as far as um, the work is concerned, for the past 36 plus years, by the grace of God, I've worked in the field of information technology as an application developer, which is what we're called right now. You know, over 36 years, that title has changed quite a few times. We've gone from software engineer to software developer, and now we're (laughs) application developers. (laughs) By the grace of God, I've been there, uh, celebrated my 36th year uh, this month, actually. But, you know, Jacqueline, even with that, even with my nine to five in the field of technology, by far, and I mean by far, my life's passion is that of studying the word of God and sharing it with others, whether it's through teaching in a group setting, through one-on-one conversations, and now through the writing of my first book. Yay! So, Marsha, give us a, 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 a brief overview. We're going to get into the meat of the book, but just give us an overview of what the spiral effect is. The spiral effect. The spiral effect was a result of a teaching that I did back in July 2000. That was my first time teaching on, um, on this topic. And I was doing a topic or a teaching on counting the cost. Mm-hmm. And as I was studying for that topic, you know, just what does it take to be a follower of Christ? You know, we say we're going to follow him, but do we actually sit down and count the cost of what it takes to follow him? And then it went on to what hinders us from truly following Christ, the way we, you know, desire to follow him and profess to others that we are following him. And the thing that came to me, and I have no doubt that it was the unction of the Holy Spirit, was this spiral, this spiral, how our lives sometimes just go in these series of loops and repeats just because we continue to do the same things and fall into the same snares and traps over and over and over again. And our lives become like that of a spiral where we're constantly doing things and just to no avail in the end, there's nothing productive as a result of it. And then as I was just focusing on the spiral effect and just studying that, the Lord gave me the acronym or this word spiral is an acronym. And I began to study a word for each of the letters that would represent some type of hindering behavior that would keep us in that series of loops. And that was the result of of the study. Sin, performance, insecurity, rash vows, anxiousness, and lack. Wow. And we're going to get into each one of those. I want you to talk about the purpose of the book. And the purpose of the book is just to keep us to most Christians. And I guess this book is really, you know, when we were sitting down talking about who would the book, um, who would be my audience. Mm -hmm. And I'd love for it to be new converts, 
But for right. the most part, it's going to be those that have either already accepted Christ or have an openness to accepting Christ mm-hmm. already. Mm-hmm. And these are the ones that they're just tired. You're tired of just seeing the yes. same things over and over, yes. staring down the same barrels just over and over. God, why am I here again? You delivered me and I'm here yet again. You know, what are you saying to me? And that right. was the gist of, of just coming up with that topic or wanting to help people. Just like, I mean, myself, when I sit down, I go before them and I say, okay, what do I do this time? <laughs> yes. because, and it's not always me. But I'm at the point now, I'd rather be guilty of thinking that I'm the root cause to find out later that I'm not Mm -hmm. than the reverse, to think that I'm not only to find out that I am. And you break this down for us and you say our afflictions pretty much stem from three primary sources, Um, life, me or you or the enemy. Can you speak on that a little more? Yes. A teaching that I did a long time ago when I was um, at a leadership training program. Uh, we were each asked to present a teaching and I did went and did my studying and the teaching that I presented was God is it you me or the enemy because that had become mm-hmm. a regular prayer of mine when I go through things I don't go before him um, just saying oh I did this and I did this and I did this so why am mm-hmm. I going through this is okay God is it you is it me or is the enemy because if it's you then you're allowing it for your own perfect reason and I need mm-hmm. to pray for endurance so that I can get through this and not have to see it again you know, just right. like a test in school. If it's mm-hmm. me, if it's something that I've opened the door to, a consequence of sin or a consequence of being disobedient to your word, then my response is going to be that of repenting and turning from that act or repenting means to turn from that act and mm-hmm. getting my life back in order or getting that area of my life back in order. You know, a lot of times we want to say, like you said, oh, I haven't done anything wrong. Oh, there's always something that can be pointed out that could bring us to a hindering point in our lives. And then if it's not us, then it could truly be an attack of the enemy. He is truly out there to steal, kill, and to destroy. That's his purpose. That's his mission. Always has been, always will be. And And when that's the case, there's a different response for that as well. Right. You know, Marsha, when I think about the spiral effect and I was thinking about this and I said, okay, so I'm okay with the question for me about how did I get here? But I'm concerned about the question, how did I get here again? Again, Uh right, right. And we do, we see it just in, I mean, we don't have to look at the lives of other people. We can look at our own lives. We know us better than anybody. We know what we go through more than anybody else. And we see the same things, whether it's in relationships, whether it's in finances, whether it's in sickness, because believe it or not, Sin brings sickness. Yes. Whether it's in, uh, you know, just a number of things in our lives. And we keep seeing the same things over and over. It's time to sit down and say, okay, am I doing something to cause this or to open the door to this? Um, so we're going to talk about the first one when you talk, when you talk about sin. Um, you said too many times as Christians, we deceive ourselves into believing that our current hardships and afflictions are the result of some mighty work that we are doing or have done for the Lord. Right. Um, and another thing you say, you quote the late Reverend William Smith. Yes. He would say that sin will take you farther than you want to go, (laughs) make you stay longer than you want to stay and cost you more than than you want to to pay. Yes. I remember he, God bless his soul, arrest his soul. He died just a few years ago, but just a true pastor and true father figure to me. And I just, one of his famous sayings 
And it is just so true. That, that sin brings consequences and we don't often think about that. But um, you talk about it and you tell us about the, the, you said sin is a product of what is in our hearts, our thoughts and the motives behind our, our actions. actions. Yes, yes, it is. And so many people, they think because they don't do quote unquote, the big sins. Yeah, you know, right. I don't drink, I don't fornicate, I don't smoke. Oh, but when you go before the Lord, there's so much more that he shows you. What's your motive? What's your intent? Mm. What are your thoughts towards this person? Why mm. don't you like this person? Why is it that you can't stand to be in the room with this person? Ah. You know, those things that other people may not be able to see, but God knows, he knows everything that goes on inside of our hearts. And that's a right. big product of where sin, yeah. or that's where it originates in the heart. Yeah. And, and said, I it's not the outside that defiles a man, it's his heart. Yes. And so Marsha, what are, what would you, what, are, what in your teaching, how have you seen a person, let's just go with the, the just the sin part, the, mm -hmm. the S of the spiral. What have been some of the most common things that people have shared with you or have learned from that particular part of the the most common portion and i'll go back to the author's reflection section on that one when i shared the right. um the incident with the person that moved in with me yeah you know and even when a lot of people they they talk to me and they say no she would have had to go she would have had to go and it's like well you didn't get it <laughs> you didn't get wow. what i was trying to show you what i was trying to show you is that mm -hmm. it wasn't about her God was right. dealing with Marsha at that point. It was what was in Marsha's heart. You know, I was professing yeah. to be a Christian. We, this was a church group that I was mm -hmm. a part of, a lady from the church. Mm -hmm. And here I was professing to be Christ-like the whole time. And I'm having just an issue with this lady being in my house, messing up my natural home. You know, and mm -hmm. not that she was to come in and wreak havoc or anything like that. But there was a, you know, when I look back, there was a way that I could have handled it a different right. way other than asking her to leave or wanting her to move or just crying to God, she's got to go make her leave. You know, that, right. where was the compassion? Right. Where was the, the love? Where was the Christ-like spirit at that? So a lot of people think that just because I was saying they don't do what's labeled the big sin, you know, the, the fornication and the, um, the lying and the drinking, that it's not a sin, but it is. God looks at the heart and the matters of the heart. And that was truly a matter of the heart with me. When she left, and that's one thing, I mean, it's just a regret to this day. I have no idea where she is or where she went. Mm -hmm. um, we left, like I said, as just casual acquaintances. And it's not so much that she was the perfect roommate. I won't even try to begin to say that, but there was so much that God could have worked out in me yes. had I allowed her to stay. And I think mm -hmm. what he was doing was just showing me a lot about me mm -hmm. through her being there, things that I was not willing to put up with. And, you know, I related it to Jesus on the cross, which nothing truly relates to Jesus on the cross. So I don't even put it up there. But mm -hmm. just a, on a small scale, it was what he did for us. It wasn't pleasant for him, all that he went through. You know, there was nothing pleasant about being crucified. Right. right but yet he right. did it for the glory of God and for our well-being. Mm. And her being there could have been for the glory of God, for her well-being, as well as for my spiritual growth. Mm. Mm. And so, Marsha, I want to ask, why do you think, and because I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about us as Christians, period. Why do you think when God 
has showed you all that. And, and I don't mean just you, but we're just using mm-hmm. your example. Mm-hmm. When he has showed us and when he has confirmed what he's saying, what is it that you think that takes over us to just, okay, I'm, I'm not going to, this is the ultimate, this is it. Instead of, well, now, you know, that I've grown in the Lord after having experiences like that, I've learned to allow him to break me, that there's benefit mm-hmm. in the breaking. But mm-hmm. why do you think we were, to me, it's like a hard-headed child, you know? Yes, uh, and it's flesh. Children. It's just, yes, a hard-headed child. It's flesh. It's things that we haven't died to in our lives. You know, and we die daily. Paul, Apostle Paul says we yes. die daily. And there's some things that God is calling us to die to. And mine was, well, I realized that I, it was a selfishness. I was focused on me. Mm-hmm. Poor me, my feelings, my home, my house. Mm-hmm. You know, it was all about me. And it was a selfishness that he was just bringing to the surface to show me. You know, God gave me a, um, a saying a long time ago, even on this teaching, counting the cost. And I wish I had the tape in there. Um, he blessed me to talk about how as Christians, we want what I've labeled a thumbtack experience. Jesus died on that cross with nails and they were in no way thumbtacks, but we want it to hurt just enough, but Lord, not too much, you know, but just enough. But when it becomes to the point where it hurts and it's pulling stuff out of us, we don't want to deal with that. Oh, that's good. When it's pulling, when it's purging stuff out. And it's really purging. Yes. Oh, wow. That's good. That's good stuff. I I hope, um, that the listeners hearing this will, will take away from this too. Okay, I want to go on to the P, um, performance. Yes. Now, you say, you talk about um, a book that by Robert McGee called The Search for Significance. Search for Significance, yes. But you say he talks about the performance trap and it says self-worth equals performance plus others' opinions. Yes. But I want to read in, in something you wrote. You said the performance trap presents the false belief that I must meet certain standards to feel good about myself. Of course, this refers to standards set by man rather than God. Yes. When we accept this belief, we believe to view our personal self-worth based on the opinions of others in addition to how well we perform. That's in a performance essence, trap. We become people pleasers. We value the opinions of others so much that we are willing to perform, to act, pretend to be someone or something that we are not, to gain their acceptance and or to alter their opinion of us. Believe it or not, this is the biblical definition of a hypocrite. Yes, it is. It is. It is. And I did. I tell you, when I read that book, it it was such a blessing to me. And the performance trap. It means that I think I am this great person based on and only based on the opinions of others, plus how well I perform for them. You know, I got to act in order to get their acceptance, their approval, you know, and to get their accolades. And that's not what God is calling us to do. And we do, we become hypocrites because we're just acting the part just to receive the accolade. And then that person that God called to come forth, it doesn't make it forth, make it forth. Hmm. Wow. I I don't, I, I, when I was reading this, I was thinking, wow, anyone who's sincere about Christ doesn't want to be called a hypocrite. Right. So this is good 
to call this out, you know, because here again, the, this, the things that you're calling out are giving us a mirror to say, hey, this is probably a hindering behavior of yours that you're not aware of. Right. You know, it's um, just about asking, why am I doing what, I do, what I'm doing? Am I doing it because I really enjoy it? Am I doing it because I believe God's calling me to do it? Or am I doing it because everybody expects this of me? Or am I doing it because if I don't do this, I won't be a part of this crowd or, you know, anything that makes us alter what we really enjoy, our, our true passion, just to conform to something else is, it's, it's not a God. And it is, it is, it's a performance thing. You know, when I listen to the, the scripture by the apostle Paul, where he said, you know, if I live to please men and persuade men, I wouldn't be a follower of God. I'd be a follower of man. I mean, I, I think about this when we talk about, let's say, uh, uh, I'm just talking about women, a woman in the church that feels like she has to be on every committee or a yes person. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And that's, that's exactly an excellent example of it. God has a way. Uh, one of my late professors, Dr. Doug Chatham, uh, I remember one of our Bible study classes, he said, God is, Satan is the master deceiver. He truly is, but God is the master revealer when we allow him to be. When you seek God and you spend time in his presence and in his word, your callings are revealed. Your giftings are revealed. What you are is revealed to you. And I can tell you a key to that is what are you passionate about? It may not be easy work. It may not be an easy assignment, but what makes you tick? What makes you want to rise up early in the morning and just go forward in it? That's a passion. That's something that's in your heart. I'm not talking about anything evil or ungodly, but that, right, that right. godly desire. Singers wake up singing. Mm. Writers wake up writing. Teachers, I can tell you, it can be a chore for me. But if I know I have to teach a sermon, I will stay up all night and all morning just to make sure I'm familiar with the content. You know, I've gone over the scriptures. I've dissected the word, you know, and tried to present what needs to be print, presented in a godly way. It's a passion. It's a desire of mine. And like I said, I've been in the technical field for 36 years plus, but my passion is that of sharing, studying and sharing the word of God. You know, and not only does God allow you to know what your passion is, but he confirms it. He wouldn't yeah. be a just God and, and hold you accountable of fulfilling your purpose if he didn't reveal that purpose to you. That's not the kind of God that we serve. Throughout yeah. the years, there was a time when I was young, probably mid-20s, I was an intercessor, and I'm still an intercessor, a prayer intercessor. And as I would go before, you know, I the, the group was composed of mostly older women. And as I was with those other women, there was always a season where um, I was introduced to another level of ministry. And one season was the prophetic ministry. And I tell you, Jacqueline, everywhere I went, there was a different prophet or prophetess that I had never seen, who had never seen me before in my life. And they would call me out and say, God's called you to teach his word. One preacher was walking in the church. I'll never forget. He was headed towards the pulpit and he just looked at me and pointed at me. And he said, you're God's teacher. One teacher, a prophetess from North Carolina, I remember her first name was Gwendolyn, went to service. I was so sick during that service or just getting to that service because I just didn't feel well, but I committed to going and didn't want to, you know, I, I told him I would be there. And I tried to be a woman of my word that day. Right. When I got to the service, the woman would preach and she would say about three sentences and then she would come and stare me right in the eye. She's like, isn't that right, teacher? 
And she did that about four times throughout the service. And at first I was looking around like, who is she talking to? But she came so close to me to let me know I'm talking to you. Isn't that right, teacher? Mm-hmm. And at the end of the service, she called people up for prayer. And I didn't go because the line was so long because, you know, she had an awesome message. And she called me out. She said, no, teacher, I need you to come up here so that I can pray for this teaching ministry that the Lord has mm-hmm. so gifted you with. So mm-hmm. when you seek him and you want to know who you are in him and God, I can't do it if you don't tell me what it is. Trust me, he has a way of revealing to you and confirming over and over and over again what exactly it is he's calling you to. If not through the prophetic, they're people. They'll compliment you, people that you've never met. You know, when they see you going forth in your gift, you'll get compliments, confirmation, letting you know that you're on the right path to what you've been called to do. Oh, that's good. And you and you sum it up, you say, we are each wonderfully and uniquely made by God for his own good purpose. Our talents, gifts, strengths, temperaments, and even our flaws, flaws and weaknesses, and weaknesses. help yes. make us who we are and equip us for what God has chosen for us to accomplish. Exactly. And, and Marsha, you say in your reflection, which I, I really like that part of the book too, because you are so authentic. Um, you said we we could be people pleasers even in our prayers for others. Would you share that? Would you share your reflection about that? Yes, I will never. Well, I have never forgotten it. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> I had a dear sister in Christ. Um, I haven't talked to her in years now, but I had a dear sister in Christ. who was going through a crisis with her home and her home was uh, about to be in foreclosure any day. And so she called me over and she wanted me to pray with her because she really wanted her home like any of us would. And we did. I mean, praying, quoting scripture, you know, believing God to, you know, rebuking the enemy uh, just for her to keep her home. You know, asking God for God, you know, this is her home. She needs a home. She's got to have a place to stay. And so we're just praying on her behalf. And I get home and you, any intercessor and anybody who's ever anybody who seeks the Lord, you know, when you're reaching the throne of God, you know, when you have his undivided attention or feel as though you have his undivided attention. And you know, when it feels like it's just flat. Right. And it felt just flat. Mm. You know, even when I got, um, even when I got uh, back home, I went before the Lord and I said, Lord, why, why didn't you hear me? Or, you know, what was wrong with this prayer? Why wasn't this prayer answered? And the Holy Spirit revealed to me just so clearly, you weren't praying my will. Mm. You didn't even seek to know what my will was in that situation. And I didn't. I was praying exactly what she wanted to hear and what I thought she wanted to hear. Mm. And later on, when I went back over and I talked to her and I told her, I said, you know, the prayer just didn't feel like it, like it really went where I thought it would go. And she said, well, can I share something with you? And she revealed to me how she'd gotten her home. It was a town home. And she revealed to me how she'd gotten it. And it was, it was a way that wasn't pleasing to God. I won't go into mm-hmm. details, but it really right. wasn't. Right. And it was just evident. But at this point, she was turning her life over to God and she was believing him to really just be her Lord and her savior and a, you know, an awesome part of her life. And it was evident that in doing that, he was cleaning up that part of her life. Right. And unbeknownst to us, uh, as soon as she lost at home, and I can't even remember, the, the, the move was so um, lateral. Mm-hmm. I mean, just so quick <laughs> that you, you know that only God, here I was praying for something that would have hindered her or just conflicted with what God already had for her. Her mom died um, shortly after that. She'd been ill for a while. 
and her mom passed and her mom had willed the home to her. Oh, wow. So she had a home that mm-hmm. got it already prepared for her mm-hmm. and she didn't need to stay in the other home. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's great. And so we've say- got to pray his will. Go ahead, say that again. I said, so we've got to pray his will. His word says, when you pray according to my will, I hear you. And when you know I've heard you, then you know you have those petitions that you desire of me. Mm. And, and, and you say, you sum it up, you say, be careful to not allow your emotions to cause you to pray the will of people over yes. and above the will of the Father. Right, right, right. Mm. Mm. That is so true. And we do, when people come to us hurting, yeah. the first thing, you know, even a sick person, they come to you. Mm. And not to say do not pray for their healing. You pray until you God tells you otherwise. Right. But sometimes we've got to release that and say, Father, you know, even after all I've asked of you and even, you know, my greatest desire, nevertheless, not my will, but your perfect will be done because you know best for all of us. You see the whole picture. Right. Right. Wow. Okay. So we're going to go to the eye insecurity. According to Merriam-Webster, insecurity is beset by fear. fear. So talk about that. Yes, the fear of failure, fear of rejection, fear of being misunderstood, and the list goes on and on and on. Insecurity is beset by the things that we're fearful of, and God has not called us to be fearful. And fear is one of the things that hinders us from going forward in our calling, going forward in even those ideas and those dreams and those visions that God gives us. You know, we're fearful. I can't do that. Why would I even try that? Or people would laugh at me if I failed at that, that fear. Mm-hmm. And so what mm-hmm. do we do? Oftentimes we just lay our blessings by the wayside or lay our dreams and our visions by the wayside because we're so fearful. Um, why is it that we always want to, we always say what we can't do and what we don't have to be able to do what God has called us to do? but we don't recognize what we do have and what we can do. Amen. And I think a lot of times it's because we don't see it right in front of us with our natural eyes. Oftentimes we're fearful because when God tells us to step out on something, if we don't see it with our natural eyes, then we fear that it's something that we can't do or something that we're going to fail at or something that's not going to be successful. But as Mm -hmm. Christians, we have, we are to walk by faith and not by sight. We're to walk with our spiritual eyes open and not, necessarily following that of our naturalized and our natural mindsets. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And so um, uh, it says, you said, when we are courageous enough to tackle our fears, which is the root of our insecurities, yeah. our deliverance process can begin. Yes. Yes. Amen. And it just mm-hmm. takes getting in the word of God. You can't tackle them without him. When you know that he's got your back and you know that if I fall, it's only because he's allowing me to fall and he's going to catch me in a sense, mm. then mm. You'll, you'll do it. Even if you're afraid, you'll still do it because you're like, I'm yeah. only doing this because I'm believing that I'm honoring you and going forward in you. Mm. Mm. So I, I've learned be obedient and leave the consequences to God. No yes. Even with this like. book. Yeah. With this mm. book, I said it was a fearful thing. You know, I can write my own little things where only a few people, the people that I choose to read it <laughs> have to read it, right, or, right. you know, professors or write for um, a grade or something. But when you put it out there for people to just criticize or to, and not necessarily constructively, but I mean, you open the door to that. So for right. people, you know, 
just looking at my writing techniques or lack of writing techniques, it was just not the most comforting thing <laughs> to put that out there. So I've held on to this for some time. God knows I have because I share it with my pastor. It's one thing to present it orally and it's another thing to try to write it and all the while keeping that same temperament, that same flow, you know, of the teaching of the message that you're trying to deliver. You know, I'm glad you shared that because what what I hear again, this is that's a great example of what we feel like we don't have or can't do. Because what I focused on in the book, what I saw was the content. So and it's presented and well written to me, but that was not my concern about how it was written and if you miss a period here or a full period of comma <laughs> here, the content is what was important, is mm -hmm. what was needed, is what is helpful. It's the reason why I asked if I could interview you because mm -hmm. of the content, because you know we inform and we encourage and we inspire. And right. this, this teaching will do all three of those for the listeners if they do the work. If they are willing to, to take this book or, or, or contact you or have a class, which will get to your contact information, but it helps and it works. And people are desperate to come out of spirals. Amen. You know, you've had Amen. people that have um, spirals of bad relationships, being laid off, divorced, losing their mm -hmm. homes, the sickness, mm -hmm. the unplanned surprise pregnancy, the bankruptcies. And mm -hmm. it's, it's, mm -hmm that is is sickening yes and and i just like i said before i can deal with the how did i get here it's the concern about how did i get here again why am and i here again right and right. again and right. this is healing this is revelation amen so um so I'm, I'm so glad that you went forth because the content is what we need amen let's go to the r rash vows Yes, 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 yes. You know, and even the rash vows part, just to illustrate something that God gave me a long time ago about rash vows, um, I shared in there and I found an artist who actually was able to do a really good job at um, just illustrating what I saw. And right, right. Uh, it's one of the diagrams in the book on rash vows. Yes, rash words. Oh my goodness. Rash yeah, words. Yes. yes. I mm. found someone, I commission somebody <laughs> mm -hmm. to do that for me because yeah rash words that are thoughtless and just hasty they can do a world of damage to someone else and you don't realize it until after you've said it and then you want to take it back and you can and they may forgive you I mean truly forgive you but that's still that scar you know that yeah. you've left there with that person and you just have to pray that they actually truly from their heart um, forgive you and relinquish that yes um, when we say, okay, so what, what you say about uh, rash words uh, from the beginning, you say, um, have you ever been in a predicament and really needed God to move on your behalf? So much so that you were quick to say, God, if you do this for me, then I will. I will. <laughs> yes, the I will part of the statement has uh, was always something that you thought would please or impress God or something that you knew you should have been doing all along. All along. And that's usually it. We knew we should have been doing it. God, if you do this for me, then I'll do what I know I'm supposed to be doing. <laughs> and a bargain with God. Bargaining with God. Yes. 
But you know, in his faithfulness, and he knows whether you're going to fulfill it or not, because he's God. Yes. But the thing yes. is, did we ever have any intention of fulfilling it? And I think if we if we were more conscious of this, especially in the world today, we would be more um, aware. If we were more aware of what we said, we would keep our word more. Yes. We wouldn't just say, yes. which is a lot of that is lacking. People just say things and don't honor their word, you know? Right, right. And if we this right here would help us to honor our words, if we have a conscience about honoring our words and the things that we say towards the Lord, then that helps us to be aware and be more conscious of honoring our word and the things we say to anyone. Amen. Amen. Exactly. And it helps us to be slow to speak too, because you want to think about, okay, is this yeah. something that can be fulfilled or, you know, and I've, I've made it a point to tell my, uh, especially my daughter and those that I teach, never say never. Mm, right. You know, never promise what you will do. Never say what you won't do because you don't know. And it's right. like you open the door to be tested because only God knows what you're capable of in any given situation. It's you know, and I'll true. share something I didn't share in the book. I had a um, dear, dear friend mm -hmm. uh, when he was younger. Mm -hmm. He had a friend that got involved in some illegal activity. And when he found out, it hurt him so much. And I remember him making this this statement. He said, I would never do anything like that. Never. And I said, you know, never say never, because only God knows, you know, given any circumstance, what we're capable of. He said, no, I can say it. I would never say never. And the very thing right. that he was so upset with this friend about is the thing that he did pretty much right. until the day he died. Yes, 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 yes. And so why and open the door it, to that type of judgment with our words? Exactly. And you say, as a result of this reading, may we be mindful to do that, which will assist in releasing us from the vicious cycle of the spiral effect. Number one, repent of rash vows that we have made unto God, yet not kept. Mm -hmm. Two, refrain from uttering empty words and making rash vows before the Lord, knowing that in the end, we must give an account of those. Got to give an account of those, right. And three, pay the vows that we have already uttered before him as he reveals them to us and in accordance with the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Amen. It's like when we know better, we do better. So if we yes. made vows not knowing what a consequence it was, you know, God doesn't hold us accountable for what we don't know. It's right. not accounted unto us as sin, but when we know better, then we are to do better. Right. Now to the picture. Oh my goodness, there's a picture and it's rash words and it's the it's the it's two people and one yes. person is using rash words and opening the mouth, a sword is coming out of the mouth yes. and and aimed right at the person that they're spewing these words at. And I thought what a great depiction because what people don't realize is the power of words. Yes, and, the power of words. You know, and those words, when those words come out you're not this or you blah, blah, blah. You can say good things too. Uh -huh, oh, you're this uh -huh, and you're that. Uh -huh. Those words touch a person's spirit and we're yes. going to either cut, tear, cut them down or lift them up. Yes. And, and they, they stay with them. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And I got that picture. God gave me that mental picture. I was in a, a heated dispute with a, a, a dear relative. Mm. And we were, and you know, I don't have a family. We, we get along 
by the grace of God, we do. We, we get along. Not that we always agree on stuff. We have our little mild arguments here and there, but it's never anything major. But this one was getting so heated and it was just nothing but a trick of the enemy. And I remember God giving me the, the mental picture hmm. to tell me to watch your words because something will come out of your mouth that will be just like that of a sword and it's going to hurt. You know, mm. when those swords come out, you can't take it back. You can apologize and forgive, but you can't retract it. You can't mm. retract that sword. You can't retract the hurt. Mm. And so I did, I abruptly ended that, that conversation, that dispute. And I said, Hey, you know, can we disagree to disagree on that one? You know, and we did, and we hugged it out by the grace of God and it was, it was okay. But only God knows where that would have taken us and how that would have affected our relationship. So, okay, well, we're going to go to the A, anxiousness. Oh, wow. Yes. <laughs> you know, that was my, I was thinking the same thing. Oh, wow. So, Marsha, you just start with this. I want it yesterday. <laughs> I don't want to wait. <laughs> you know, we do. We try to bring things to pass in our own time because mm. we don't want to wait on God's timing. Sometimes it seems like he's taking too long, you know, to do things for us. Let us tell it anyway. But, you know, yes. there are things. Patience is a virtue. Good things come to those who wait. You know, yes. I waited for the Lord patiently. Yes. 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 And, and then you talk about how we're his children and we wouldn't give our children things out of Right, right, right. And they're not prepared for, they're not ready for, but yet and still, we want God to do, to do it. And if we're and his so, children, he's not going to. Now, we can make it happen on our own. Yes. But no, if we're seeking him and waiting on him, whatever we get is going to be in his time and in his season. Mm. So, so Marsha, I want you to talk about you, your reflection on uh, the example that you talk about in the book about um, uh, the training, the new hires in the department. And oh, yeah. You, yeah. Yeah. That was really good, too. And that one's something God's allowed me to share so much because I tell you, it's helped so many people. Even recently, a young girl was going through something on her job, very same thing almost, and found mm -hmm. out that what she wanted or thought she wanted was not what she was going to get had she been allowed mm -hmm. to get that promotion. So it's a matter, it comes down to like trusting him. Are you really, really here for me? <laughs> and he really, really is. I'm here to tell you. And that experience, the company that I'm currently working with, that I said I've been employed with by the grace of God for 36 plus years now. Um, it was early on, um, not long after I've been employed with the company, that I was in an apartment and I did have a beautiful relationship even now with uh, my, my boss. And I'd apply for a position and a position was doing what I love to do, teaching. <laughs> it was teaching um, throughout the company, just different languages, a few languages throughout the company. And I wanted to apply for it. Well, I did apply for it. And when I called personnel, because I hadn't heard anything about the transfer, um, they told me that it hadn't been approved by my boss. So I went mm -hmm. and I talked to her. And sure enough, when I got in there, she closed the door. You could just see it in her eyes when I got in there that, what they had told me was true. She had not approved the transfer. Mm -hmm. And before I could even say anything, she went on to explain to me why she hadn't. And she told me that. And, you know, I know she was trying to make me feel good, which she said, it would take two people to replace you. I can't let you go right now, you know. But when she went, it ended up, they did 
hire two people to replace me when I did leave. <laughs> so I did feel good. Mm. But she did allow <clears throat> another young lady that I had trained to apply for the position. And that's what I think hurt even more mm. than not mm. allowing the transfer. And I was, I was so upset. I mean, I cried in her office. You know, sometimes you can't just hold, you can't hold back the tears. Right, and just right. the floodgate, it just came out. And so she allowed me, I stayed in her office until I kind of regained my composure. Went back out and I wanted to quit. Mm. That was one time when if I could have afforded to, you know, when you do these rash things, that was probably right. a rash thing that I would have done. Just walked mm. out and said, you know, it just mm. wasn't fair. And it mm. turns out it wasn't her. It was just God looking out for my best interest because in mm. less than a year, I mean, during mm. that time, the industry was so unstable and all companies mm. were having, all kinds of companies were having layoffs. And sure enough, mm. it hit our company. And it mm. got to the point where they laid off an entire department. They laid mm. off people, but there was one entire department that was closed down. And it was that new teaching and training department that wow. I was going to apply for. Wow. And sure enough, you know, when you see things like that, you go before God and just cry and you try to repent. It's like, I am so sorry. I did mm. not see you. I did not know that's what you were saving me from. You know, had mm. he allowed that transfer to go through, I would have been without a job in less than a year. Mm. And even the, the one who got the job, the person I had trained, when I spoke to her probably a couple of years later, she still hadn't found another job because the industry oh, was just that unstable. Oh my so goodness. it was just God. And I, you know, when I studied the word agape uh, in my Hebrew Greek dictionary, I would never forget that definition that I came across when it says he loves you so much that he does for you what you need, even when it's not what you're asking him for. Mm -hmm. And that's what he had done for me. He did for me what I need, even though I didn't know what to ask him. So we're going to move to the final letter in the spiral, L, and it represents lack. And you say, be yes. it the lack of counsel, guidance, lack of wisdom, lack of knowledge, understanding, or the lack of resources. Too often we yes. find ourselves in predicaments or turbulent times simply because we lacked what we needed to move forward. This is the result when we neglect to seek God in any situation. Yes. And even sometimes we do seek him. And it's because, right. you know, if he doesn't say what we think we want to hear, <laughs> we go on yes. without him. And then we still yes. end up in that situation because we lack his wisdom and his guidance. Yes. And you say the point in which we proceed without God's guidance or the counsel that he had provided was the very point that the foundation of our endeavor became unstable. Yes. Built upon sandy principles and not a solid rock foundation for sure. Mm. So um, talk some more about that. Lack. You know, and even when I go on into the book, um, I talk about the getting an experience. And that's been a big, big thing for me. Sometimes we think we lack what we need to go forward again because we don't see it with our natural eyes. And when I looked at Gideon and I did, I sat down and I did the math and I saw where God started or he started with this 32,000 uh, yeah. army, man army, mm -hmm. did the calculation. I'm a, I'm a math person. God mm -hmm. dwindled his resources down to 99.0625%, which means he had about less than 1% of his army left from his initial start. Mm -hmm. And when I look at some things that we go through and when God allows 
you know, things to just dwindle and dwindle. And you're like, God, but I needed that to accomplish this. Oh, I needed that. Oh, I needed him or her to accomplish this. And it was when, when you realize if it's God in the midst, it was his plan all along. And for his own perfect reason. And oftentimes it's because he wants the glory. It's his. It belongs to him. And we know that it's his and only he gets the glory when there is what we consider insufficient to go forward. Right. And things are manifested. Now, I do that at the risk of people going out and saying, I'm going to name it and claim it whether I see it or not. No, if you're not responsible with your finances or right. with you have already, there's no point in going out and trying to get the latest and the greatest. That is not what I'm saying. What mm-hmm. I'm saying is when you know that you are truly believe with all your heart that God is leading you to pursue something, a dream, a vision, you know, an idea, a business, a ministry then you can't look at your natural resources and use that as a reason to not go forward. It's not lack in the eyes of God. It's just a way of him doing it in a way that his glory is revealed. Right. right. So just like in the case of Gideon and just like in my office reflection section, it wasn't right. lack. And, and, and one of the things you share in the book is, um, the difference between worldly wisdom and godly wisdom. Yes. And you say worldly wisdom says the more you save, the more you will have. Godly yes. wisdom says give and it shall be given unto you. Yes. Worldly, worldly wisdom says do not believe what you cannot see. And godly wisdom says for we walk by faith, not by sight. Amen. And worldly wisdom says the leader is first and the servant is least. And godly wisdom says, and whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. Yes. So as children of God, we have to listen to the word of God, which oftentimes will contradict that worldly wisdom. Yeah. And if not, we don't want to be um, like the late Charles Spurgeon, who said, there is no (laughs) fool so great a fool as a knowing fool, but to know how to use knowledge (laughs) is to have wisdom. I mean, that's, that's huge right there. It was huge. <laughs> it's comical, but it's true. <laughs> yes, very true. Very true. Okay, so now, Marsha, you go to a part and it call, it's called Riding the Waves That Lead to Destiny. Yes, yes. Once you come off those spiral, then we can get on the path of destiny that God has so purposed for us and stop going around in circles like the children of Israel wandering in the wilderness. And, you know, even the waves, uh, when I was reading the Bible, just throughout the Bible, it references waves and waves waves are usually used to represent like those trying times in our lives. So those tumultuous times in our lives, times of affliction, you know, a lot of the psalmists, I think I pointed out in the Bible, talked about how the waves and the billows had gone over them. And even Noah, when he was going through his trials, he referenced just uh, in the form of waves. And so waves Mm -hmm. can be for our good, our destiny, our expected end. And they can also be to a correcting tool, you know, depending on why we're going through what we're going through. And that's why I try to tie it back to, is it God, me, or the enemy? Why are we going through what we're going through? Is a result of just this fallen world of society, which everybody is going to have something to deal with. Everybody's going to have a type of affliction just because of the type of world that we live in but how right. God can turn it around and use it for his glory and for our good. And those are your waves of destiny that you can ride. And then you have, is it me? Is it us? Is it because of sin and disobedience in our life? 
And that's when we introduce those angry waves, those waves that will keep us um, going through things and that will bring just consequences that we really don't want to have to deal with. You know, and I think I referenced, you know, there's an unknown paradox that says, or paradox by an unknown author that says, you know, you can choose your, your actions, but you can't choose your consequences. That's true. Right, right, right. Mm-hmm. And then you have the last type of waves, which if it's the enemy, is it you, me, or the enemy? When it's truly the enemy, then God has given us his, his word, our spiritual weapon, our spiritual sword to rebuke and to bind up that which is not of God and that which we do not have to endure. So now that you've published the book and it's, it's in the platform of a book and you teach it orally, um, also, you also teach it orally, on what platform, on what other platforms has God opened a door for you to teach on the spiral effect? Oh, wow. It's been such a blessing. Over the, the years, I said, I've started teaching this in July 2000. Uh, I taught it at a leadership training session then. Uh, since then, God has opened the doors through church services, through uh, women's correctional ministries, um, through college events. I was invited to teach at uh, West Georgia College, and that was the, the message that he gave me, and it just received great feedback from the students. It was such a blessing. And then Bible study groups, women's study groups, uh, women's ministries, and just the door's been open, and I really thank God for it. Okay. So, Marsha, how long is the oral teaching when you teach? Is it over a couple of days or several hours? Or Now, if you ask anybody who knows me and teaches <laughs> and has heard my teaching, they will say, OK, I'll give you a quote. One says such a short teaching with such a powerful punch. Right. And another right. one okay. says she, she gets so much accomplished in such a short amount of time. I am not a long-winded teacher for the most part. If I do, there are some extenuating circumstances, unless I'm asked to present a certain amount of content. <clears throat> Excuse me, and we have to break it up, you know, over sessions. But the spiral effect, I mean, within less than half an hour, I would say. Wow. Okay. It's I mean, it's it's not a, a long teaching or hasn't mm-hmm. been a long teaching. So then you you put a lot in here for. Uh, people to use to follow up. And like I said, if you go through the process of the book, it's very beneficial. What are some of the, what is some of the feedback that you've gotten from people, results that you've received from people after actually applying the teachings in the book? Oh, wow. Um, I had, I wish I pulled up these emails of the text that I've been getting lately. Um, one person wrote me just last week and said, you know, I was feeling really down going through a lot. They said, and I'm on, they told me what chapter of the book they were on. They said, and it just so lifted my spirit and they texted me to, to, you know, just to thank me for allowing God to use me to do that. Another one said how the rash vowel section just so resonated with them and they really needed to hear it. I had another one said that she had been praying for her son in a way and just reading the section on uh, performance led her to realize that she was not praying according to the will of God. She was praying out of her emotions and it caused her to just change the way that she was approaching God for her son. So it has, I've had a lot of positive feedback on, on the book and I, you know, just truly just thank God for it. Now that the spiral effect has been published, um, do you have any other books or materials that you're working on? Yes, I have three other works by the grace of God that are currently in progress. One is entitled The Obvious Victim, 
One is entitled True Stardom, and the other is entitled Sisters Tried and True. Oh, great, great. We'll be looking for those. Yes, I'm looking forward to getting them out there. (laughs) What inspired the ministry name Season uh, to Inspire? Season to Inspire. You know, for a long time, and this was like many, many years ago, um, I was seeking God for just a ministry name for whenever I did go forward with the book. And a scripture that I always wanted it centered upon was Proverbs 15, 23, a word spoken Mm -hmm. in due season, how good is it? Mm -hmm. And I always wanted that as my my theme scripture. And so at the time, my ministry name or the ministry name that I wanted or thought I wanted was due season ministry. But before Mm -hmm. I could just go forward, you know, I procrastinated more than I should have. Um, Mm -hmm. The ministry name was already taken. And when I went to Google it, I saw, oh, somebody already has his ministry name. So I just said, okay, so that wasn't God. That was just me. (laughs) But recently, right before the book was published, I got a call from my oldest stepdaughter. And she said, Marsha, she said, I had a dream. She said, and at the end of the dream, you were in it. She said, and right before I woke up, I heard a voice saying, this is her season to inspire. She said, and they were talking about you. She said, and I believe with all my heart that it was God. And I said, I do too. (laughs) And I thought about it, season to inspire. And I said, Lord, that fits with the theme, the theme scripture, Proverbs 15, 23, a word spoken in due season, how good it is. This is her season to inspire, to impart truth, to impart encouragement, to speak those things that are right now words, that rhema word. So I'm believing God that that is the meaning behind <laughs> season to inspire. So I want to ask you, how can my listeners contact you? Um, I can be contacted by uh, two websites. One is www.marshasawyer.com. And that's Marsha, M-A-R-S-H-A, Sawyer, S is in Sam, A-W-Y-E-R.com, or www.season2inspire.com. Those are the websites. And there's also an email address, Marsha at season2inspire.com. Uh, the book can be purchased via the website. The website has the book in paper format as well as hard book format, as well as the uh, corresponding bookmarkers. And they can also purchase it through Amazon.com. Um, and so, Marsha, I know that when we have, you know, God has called us and he, he gives us help uh, to help us do this. So uh, if, are there any people you'd like to um, give a shout out to in reference to those that have helped you? Uh, meet this uh, this calling that God has for you. Yes, most definitely. Okay. Most definitely. Uh, first, I want to give a shout out to Pastor Donald Sawyer. He has graciously opened up uh, their church ministry for upcoming book signings and just everything pertaining to the book. So I'm just totally grateful for that. And I cannot end this broadcast without giving a shout out to our graphics designer, Emron Khan. Uh, his stage name or his online name is Graphism, Graphicism. And Emron, I tell you, when I was looking for a design for the book, um, I went and I tried to just do a quick mock-up of something that I really wanted, but I could never get anything that looked presentable enough to pass it on to a professional designer. So I solicited the, the, the information, put it out there, and it ended up being like a contest for me where I had designers submitting designs for me to choose from and had some really wonderful designs. But this one design 
the one that I had tried to do initially that I couldn't pull together, this one designer actually came up with that design in a professional format. And that ended up being the design for the book. It was the spiral that you guys see on the front of the book. So Imran just did an excellent job. And he also did like 99% of the, the artwork, the waves and um, so wow. much in the book for me. I told yes. him my ideas and he just, just came up with it. Um, the back cover design was uh, the work of Emron, working with him. So just thank God for him. Shout out to Tanya Brockett of Halogen Inc., who's the editor. She did not only the editing, but the formatting of the book. Because when you, when you do a book that's going to be presented to others and it's presented for the glory of God, you want to put your best work forward. And right. even though you think you've gone over the book a million times, there's always something that somebody else can see that you have not seen. You know, even little letters being transposed from what should have been trials end up being trails or what should have been there, T-H-E-R-E, ends up being T-H-E-I-R. So right. I thank God for Tanya. And she did more than just little things like that. She was just such a help in, in the total editing, the total formatting of the book. So just truly thank her for her patience and for her professionalism and just for all the knowledge that she brought forth to the project. And working with Tanya opened the door for me to meet Kathy Kidd's publishing. And Kathy, uh, God bless her. She worked with me and just working with her allowed the book to receive a number one best-selling author seal the first week of publication. So truly thank God for that entire team that God brought forth to help bring this whole project to fruition. Would you give my listeners some encouraging words? Yes, of course. It's my season to inspire. <laughs> ah. <laughs> inspire <But> I, my <laughs> listeners. <laughs> <laughs> to God be the glory. But just whenever you see yourself going through these things, and we all do them, if you see the spiral effect just prevalent in your life, the things where you're seeing them seizing after season, time after time, just take a deep breath, step back, go before the Lord and say, Will you bless me to know what's going on? And being the faithful father that he is, he's more than willing to reveal exactly what's going on in your case. Why are you on this spiral? And if it's indeed a spiral that you don't have to be on, you know, sometimes we think we're on a spiral and really not. It's just God doing things for his glory or allowing things for his own perfect will. But sometimes we're in that whirlwind just because we're not living the life that he's calling us to live. And he's trying to get us off of that path that's only gonna take us further from what he's purposed us to do. And that's the spiral that we don't wanna be on. And then there are those spirals that we're on that we don't have to stay on because it's just an attack of the enemy that can be rebuked by just knowing the word of God and knowing the, the plan of God and just knowing what you have to accept and what you don't have to accept. So take my advice, relinquish the spiral and allow God to use you to ride the waves that lead to your destiny, your expected end. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being here with me today. And thank, thank you, you for, for having me. Sure. Marsha, you have a great day. Bless you too, Jacqueline. All right. Goodbye. Bye.